it says maturity is about proper growth and exemplary health. What is it actually? I think maturity is a quality or a characteristic comprised of many others, like for example, kindness, compassion, consideration, inner peace, wisdom, prudence, perspective, practicality, honesty, perhaps a proper awe regarding existence and what some call hardihood, which is the ability to persist in the face of difficulty, a capacity, or a capacity to endure hardship without constant complaint or a feeling of victimization. You hear me? <laughs> I did not write this. Isn't this awesome? This isn't even written by a Christian. This is written by a secular um, psychologist. A mature person is not quick to anger. Such a person is not careless with actions, thoughts, or feelings. Mat look at me like a kindergartner putting my finger on every word so I don't lose my spot. <laughs> Maturity rises to a level of, appreci of appreciation and gratitude concerning all the good and beautiful things in life while accepting the existence of limits and imperfections in the world. A mature person may want and work hard to change and improve the things around them, but they won't allow irritation, resentment, and frustration about those things that need changing. And I love that. That's a, really what I believe God has been saying, like, let's get there, guys. As a body of Christ we should be the most mature human beings on this planet. And I feel a huge, huge stir in me to help drive us in that direction. So I think back to like when I was a kid and can, I don't know how many of you ever had this said to you, but you know when you're like, and I, I hear people say it to my kids, people said it to me, but you know when you're like five or 10 or 13 and someone's like, wow, you're really mature for your age. <laughs> It's, it's so cool. You're like, awesome. I don't know what that means. It makes me feel really good. And it should, because it means you are embodying something that's beyond what someone of your ears, or years should possibly even have the capacity to embody, but you've got it. And, um, and so people would say that to me from time to time as a kid, and I, and I really attached to what I thought it meant, and I loved it. And I thought, I want to always grow in maturity. And so I purposed myself towards that. Do I think that I did it perfectly? That's not, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I do not believe that I lacked. Because, I mean, I was a 14-year-old girl at one point. Like, you're idiots sometimes. I mean, that's just factual. I have my own 14-year-old daughter. They're idiots sometimes. Like, so in proper maturation, I believe I followed the steps. And, and I was excited to grow, go through life, and I really valued older people. I believe they had something that I didn't have, and that it was something we could work towards, wisdom we could gain, knowledge we could understand, things about life that they can press into that you can't as a kid. I mean, five-year-olds cannot handle the same capacity that 10-year-olds emotionally and mentally, and that's the way that it is. 10-year-olds can't handle what 15-year-olds can handle. And there's a lot of 20-year-olds out there. You know, you can't handle what a 50-year-old can handle. You know? Uh, it should be that way anyway. So anyway, I grew, up and I, I grew up and I was really excited to become an adult. And I graduate high school at age 18. 
And as soon as I leave, as soon as I graduate high school, I enter the workforce right away. I, I go into an office, a business office, and I'm surrounded by all of these people who were easily 10 plus years older than me, some of them 20, 30 years older than me, college degrees, married, families, <clears throat> the whole nine yards. And to my disappointment, I discovered that this world of adulthood was barely a smidge mature than the high school halls I had just left. And it's funny, kind of, but it was disappointing. And that's the reality that I found out is grown up. What is it? What, do, what are we doing when you grow up? And at 18 years old, it's like, learned it all. Nothing else to learn. And that's kind of the way it goes. And there's, there is, there is, I was actually speaking to a really brilliant um, psychologist. She's not a psychologist. Is she? Yeah. Psychologist, therapist, something like that that I know, we were talking about phases of life recently. And um, she was telling me that in very recent history in the world of psychology, so it used to be there was like three phases of adulthood early, which is like 18 to 25. And then 25 to like 40-ish, it was like middle and then late. It was like basic three basic phases. Well, there is now a new phase that has been inserted um, that they needed to categorize this age group that was coming out of high school because over the last few decades, they've noticed that people have stopped growing up. And it's called emerging adulthood. Have you heard about this stuff? <laughs> Bob's like, I know all this. <laughs> no. But anyway, so, I mean, there's a lot of schools of thought out there. Some people really hold hardcore to, like, there's only three phases of adulthood. Some, there's, I read something that was eight phases. And certainly there's a difference between when you're 18 fresh out of high school and you're 99 years old. There's a humongous difference there. So there's, and however you want to break that up, it seems to be different depending on who you talk to. However, there is a noticeable trend, and I think if you ask yourself, you could recognize it, that the age of maturity is expanding extremely far in our culture. And this is actually something that is um, not only prevalent in the United States, it's also prevalent in other um, like first world countries so, or regions. So Europe is going through the same thing and Asia is going through the same thing. And so, um, and, and the thing that's interesting to me, so when I'm speaking to this lady, um, she told me, because she works a lot with um, counseling people through phases of life, she said it's actually worse in the Christian world than out of the Christian world. And I couldn't believe it when she told me that. I was <laughs> shocking. <laughs> why, guys, why? <laughs> the secular world notices that this is a problem. We're human beings. We should be maturing through life. They're seeing it. The kingdom is not seeing it, and we are perpetuating it worse than the world is. We are perpetuating the stunting of maturation of human beings. We should be the cultural leaders on this planet, and we're not capable because we're not growing up. I saw this cartoon, a little um, humor in the midst of all of this depressing study that I was doing. And it's just like a one-piece cartoon. 
and it was like a dude sitting on a couch, like feet kicked up, eating some potato chips, watching television. Clearly, like he was drawn to like look. He was like easily twenty five or thirty years old in this fo- in the photo. And then you got the two parents standing next to the couch, looking at them, and they're gray haired. You know, they're older. And they're in the there's one line at the bottom of the cartoon, and it said, "When I was your age, I was an adult." <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical because it just goes to show um, we're now to the point that it's a joke. It's so noticeable. It's a joke. The way humanity has embraced maturity at this time is that we just don't or we stop or we do it extremely slowly. Now hear me, I'm not saying that nobody on this planet is mature. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But it should be better than what it is. I should be able to, this is my desire, I'm about to turn 37 in a couple weeks. I, my desire is to walk into a room, and I've, I've had a relationship with the Lord for 30 years, so my desire is to walk into a room with anyone who's older than me and has had a relationship with the Lord longer than me and that there's wisdom that I can gain from them. But the unfortunate truth is that most times that is not the case. It just, that's just the way that it is. It's a reality. I get sick and tired of bringing the wisdom to the table with people 20 years older than me. That's unfortunate to me. You're letting me down. I'm a world changer, and I have to step into hard things, and I choose to step into hard things, and how can I do it alone when the people who are 20 years older than me don't have anything to give me? I need your help, and there's a lot of us out there who need that. Focus on the family. So when I found out when this lady I was talking to told me that Christians are worse at this than the world is. I was like, I want to read some research on that. And I haven't been able to get very far into it, but I thought I would bring this one instance to, for, for you guys to hear because it has to do with focus on the family and who doesn't know focus on the family. And uh, I found out that um, Dr. James Dobson and his team Um, they decided to do, they did a survey. And in the question, the survey was, what are the greatest problems you face in dealing with your parents or in-laws? And the letter went to people who are like my age who are, or or younger, who are married and have children. So it was specifically that they had children already. And um, so families. So they sent it to young families. What is the greatest problem you have with your parents or in-laws? And there was all kinds of answers and you know, 10% said this, 11% said that, 5% said this, but 44% said that the biggest problem they face is the failure of their parents to let them go. And so Dr. Dobson goes on to write that um, children, they have become an extension of ourselves and our egos and and are inextricably linked to theirs. Therefore, we not only seek to hold them to us, but we manipulate them to maintain our control. We use guilt, bribery, threats, intimidation 
fear and anger to restrict their freedom. This is a Christian survey. And I unfortunately know a lot of Christian people my age who experience these exact things with their own parents. Some of you may be experiencing it yourselves. This is real stuff. And sadly, when we win at this game, we and our offspring are destined to lose. So I found this rather interesting. So he surveyed thousands and thousands of people, and this was the response they got. And this is just in one stream of Christianity. And then I looked it up because I realized he kept referencing the, the thing was really long on the Internet. And I realized he kept referencing in chapter seven, you can read about what to do here. And in chapter three, you can read about what to do there. And so I was like, what book is this? I found out they did the study in 1987, you guys. Three decades ago, they were noticing this trend. Three decades. And it is so now, <laughs> oh my God, all of those people that they surveyed, probably their children are raised by now. And I wonder what happened with that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my daughter, for those of you who don't know, is from my first marriage. My, husband, my first husband and I were married for four and a half years. Farah was two when we divorced. And there was a lot of problems in that marriage. And the biggest reason that I left was, well, the reason I left was because he's abusive. And he didn't see a problem with that. And it was OK in his world. And so that was that. And so after a very long, tumultuous road, I divorced him. And <clears throat> through dealing with him through a critical process of something like trying to navigate counseling, reconciliation, reconciliation that didn't work, yada, 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 I began to realize that he had the capacity, the maturity level of like a 12-year-old. What he loved to do was antagonize me like I was his little sister. And in trying to work on anything that required higher thinking or problem solving or reaching in and go, working on the stuff that you notice is hard that you don't want to face about yourself, 100% couldn't do it. And so we get divorced and Ferris two years old. And I told him many, 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 many times that if he didn't figure out how to grow up and how to mature, that by the time she was like 14 or 15 years old, she was going to wind up leaving him just like I did because she was going to outgrow him. <clears throat> and she's 15 years old now, and we're to the point where she barely wants to spend any time with him. And so now I have the interesting job of helping my 15-year-old daughter navigate her own father's relationship that she is completely outmatured. And he just, you know, she wants to do things and he says no for no apparent reason. He just wants to tell her no. No, like a little kid. Okay, well, how do you navigate? That's your dad, but he's being completely immature about it. So we have this really wild dynamic, but how many of you can think of someone who's much older than you? Think of a family member or even your own parents. Isn't it bizarre to outmature your parents? Why is that even possible? And it's, 
It shouldn't be, but it is because we have the ability to stop choosing to mature. In one of the studies I read, so we do we do go through phases, whether you believe in three phases of, of adulthood or you believe in eight phases of adulthood, every time you have to cross a threshold of it, it's challenging. You have to like step into something completely new. You have to step into like deeper ways of thinking and more strategic ways of getting through life and challenges to take over. And that stuff is really hard. And so you can choose to embrace it and you move on and you beautifully step into your next realm of life and you become a pillar of wisdom and all these other things. Or you, you don't and you just kind of will only forever deal. You'll continue to age, but you'll, you don't want to have to tackle harder things and you're really good at tackling younger mental issues and so you'll just always stay there. You'll always just want to pick fights with your siblings. You always want to do this. You'll always want to do that because you know how to resolve those things. You don't want to ever step into resolving things harder. And so that is one of the reasons why we don't tend to mature. We mature, stop maturing or mature slower as we get older because it takes a conscious choice to, to do this stuff. So, you know, I was thinking about... Um, Remember when Faye was here a few weeks ago and she said that um, most people die at age 25 but get buried 60 years later? Oh, God. The whole room was like, oh, my God. It's so true because how much, like, it, it resonates for a million reasons, but one reason it resonates is because we, we just, right in that age range, there's so much that we just kind of stop doing or can choose to stop doing. So much happened to me in my 20s. It's horrendous. I lived through an abusive marriage in that, right in that time frame. And I'm so happy now that most people meet me and they're like, oh, wow, you seem like you've never been through anything hard in your life. And I'm like, that's good. <laughs> my God is awesome and I'm healed. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to tell, <laughs> you know, but I do have a story. So if you're going through it, let me know and I'll help you out, you know. But if I hadn't chosen healing, so like at a certain point I had to decide, yeah, I'm a total disaster. Yeah, I'm a wreck. I'm nothing like I was before we got married. I can feel the stunting. I spent five years living with a guy who acted like a 12-year-old. It was like dumbed me. <laughs> Everything was so stupid all the time. So I had to recognize this stuff, and you have to make the... It's easy to sit and wallow in that. I could have stayed right there for the rest of my life. But God... And I have this really cool relationship, and he's just like, no, remember how you were when you were growing up? Remember all that joy? Remember, that's you. And he would just remind me, you never quit plucking at it. And I was like, going after healing. <laughs> and it sucked. <laughs> but I did, and I was really aggressive about it. And within inside of a year, I was quite whole, and I was actually able to get remarried pretty early on after. I was only divorced for a year and a half, I think. I, I couldn't believe it when I met Keith and we're heading towards marriage. I was blown away that I was in that position because at the time I got divorced, I thought I'll probably never get married ever again. How can I ever trust a man ever again? Why would I ever want to risk that? I've been so brutally wounded. Someday I should tell you all my story about that, but like that, I was like a remnant of who I am at the end of that marriage. I mean, suicidal thoughts all the time. I was like going psychotic. I told my parents I probably needed to be put in a mental institution. I was like, ridiculous on a level you can't fathom unless we sit and dive. You could read my journals. They're really sad. <laughs> no, but seriously, I couldn't believe it. 
And Keith and I have now been married for 11 years, and we've had a really healthy, thriving marriage. And it's all because, yeah, thank you. And all those boys we have. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good Lord. Okay, so. <laughs> yes, it will. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on raising kids and how that needs to be embraced to drive maturity. That's a topic for another day. Okay, so. Oh, it's so early. I'm getting really close to the end. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just have this question. Okay, so I told this story at the 30th anniversary party last year. And I got up here and kind of gave a little monologue. And one of the things that I, one of the things I talked about which is like a little bit of one of those like harsh moments in the history of this church was that like once I um, was heading into adulthood, um, I wound up I wound up leaving the church because I realized a lot of the leaders weren't quite at the level of maturity that I needed to lead me farther. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And one of the huge things that we can all put into place is the loss of Jennifer was a huge challenge on this entire body, and we were all. A wreck. And so I left. And I would come back and visit, all, like, whenever Harold Eberly was here, I would come back, special events, I would come back and visit, you know. But it was never like, it never felt right. It was never the right time. And then one day I walk in here and I was like, what the heck happened to everyone? And I suddenly felt like how it is when I was a kid and you have all these adults who know better. I suddenly felt like everyone knew better again. I was like, what happened to everybody? <laughs> and then someone says, oh, Sozo came. I was like, oh, all right, so that's good. That is something. Like, So you know, if, if anybody's listening to this and you're like, where am I? What, am I as more mature as I should be? How, or I know someone who's not. Like, how, do we get, how do we get people caught up? Like, Catching up is something that can happen. I've seen it with my own eyes here with certain people. And I've seen it with other people that I know. And it, it's not that Sozo is the key, but it is a key. There's multiple keys. There's things you can do. And God can catch you up. So, because I have this question, which is like, we, we're a family. Like, not just this room, but the kingdom is a family. We have to be able to, as our children are growing up, that they have people to tap into and examples to look to on how to walk through everything in life that's going to come their way. And what are you going to do with the world changers like me who are going to run into fires all the time? And the only people around me are like, well, I'll just pray for you. Or maybe you should check with the Lord and make sure this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, I need people stronger than that. I can't be the strongest one in the group. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> I'm thinking about Amy. She's in a pillar of a position right now at that school. It is important for her to be on point. She will drive the change of that entire district when her thinking is on point. And she's going to run in, she said, day one things that we wouldn't even believe. And if you're connected to a school district, all you have to do is use your imagination for like a split second and you can only imagine, right? We all know what's out there and what's going on in the lives of these children and families these days. She needs pillars. 
So the question I've got is, where are all of our elders? Yeah. Where are all of our old wise ones? Yeah. Where are all of our healthy spiritual patriarchs and matriarchs? Yeah. Where are all of the ones who have spent decades with the mind of Christ, which gives them access to his wisdom? Yeah. In 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about how the only one who knows God's thoughts are the Holy Spirit. Do we remember that the Holy Spirit lives within us, which means we have access to God's thoughts? It says in the Bible that the depths of God's wisdom is so deep we, can eat, we can't even fathom it. We're talking about the God who is the father of all creation. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has depth of knowledge and wisdom of everything beyond what we can understand. He is so far beyond our capabilities of thinking, except for the fact that he gave us the Holy Spirit, so we get to tap into that, and we get to grow into that. I constantly think about how it talks about in 2 Corinthians 3 about going from glory to glory. Going from glory to glory is so much more than just getting people saved and doing amazing things on this earth and dying and having this good life and legacy behind you. I believe that part of growing and moving from glory to glory is expanding your maturity and your ways of thinking and your wisdom. And that only comes from tapping in to and spending time with the mind of Christ and allowing him to renew your mind. You know, in the verse about renewing your mind, that particular word that they use for renew is only used once in the Bible, and it's a type of renewing that it means affected by the Holy Spirit or achieved by God's power. So the renewing of your mind that it's talking about is something that we can literally only gain if we spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, in, it's, so it's Romans 12, too, in case anyone's wondering. It talks about to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that particular word, renew, in, in that verse, is only used once in the Bible. And that version of renewing means something that's affected by the Holy Spirit or achieved by God's power. Um talking about the glory to glory thing, I was reading into that a little bit more and I need to talk to a couple of smarter people who are smarter about this stuff than I am. But um, the whole glory to glory thing is really fascinating. And someone in a, in a particular commentary, he was saying, it's not so much as like you have glory stage one and glory stage 10. It's not like graduated glory, like it's all glory. And so I was trying to put a visual behind that. And I'm like, but what does that even mean? I don't really know. Like, if it's one glory and you're moving to another glory, isn't, doesn't that mean there's like a change? And I couldn't figure it out. And so I finally got this analogy and I feel like it fits right now. I might change my mind in the future, but we're going to go with that at the moment. So anyway, I was thinking about when you get in a swimming pool and it's got a shallow end and a deep end. So when you get in the pool, you're in the water and no matter where you go, you're in it. But in the shallow end, so water equals glory. And uh, <laughs> so if you're in the shallow end, woo, you're in the glory. You're in it. 
you get to experience all the benefits of being a part of the kingdom and like the changes that can happen, but there's only so much action that can happen in the shallow end. I mean, you can't dive in head first. You can't cannonball without hitting your butt on the bottom. You handstands are harder because most of your body sticks out of the water. You know, like you can't do as much cool stuff, (laughs) but you're in it. You're cooled down from the sun. You're relaxed. You can float around. It's great. It's the water. It's the glory. But then if you can choose to brave the swim to the deep end and move down to where there's access to do, I don't know, an infinite number of things, you get access to more possibilities. Does that make sense? So that's the analogy I'm going with right now. And there's really, it's not like it's like, ooh, we're better than you, than the guys in the shallow end. It's just where you are. And you're just in it. We're all in it. But some people are just heading down to the deep end. And so what, what am I saying? The shallow end is freaking full. <laughs> There's like 10 people in the deep end. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> just brave and go down there. <laughs> The end. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm at the end. So Chris Ballatin, interestingly enough, put a blog out this weekend called Seven Reasons We Should Be the Cultural Leaders of the Planet or something like that. You should go look it up. It's pretty interesting. Really similar to this. Not the exact same, but similar. Um. But anyway, I pulled a sentence out of it because I thought it was really good. Chris Valentin says, and Chris, he's so crass. I mean, how do people claim to have the creator of the universe living inside of them? The mind of Christ thinking through them, the spirit of God influencing the world around them, and then they have the nerve to think small. And I was like, yeah, man, I feel you. Why? So anyway, that is where I am with my thoughts right now. And I basically just want to challenge you to spend time. If any, if this, if any of what I'm saying is stirring inside of you and you're not really sure what it means for you, spend time, take it, spend time with the mind of Christ. Allow him to come in and bring you maturity and bring you wisdom And if you're not where you need to be, allow him to catch you up. If you're older than me, I need you. If you're younger than me, I promise to stay committed to always being someone that you can pull on. Our children that we're raising need us to do this. We will never, ever, ever bring the fullness of the kingdom of God to the planet by merely getting people saved and miracles. There has to be a wisdom that comes along alongside, alongside all of this stuff. This is the full picture of glory and what it means to be in the kingdom. And we need to not forget about this piece of maturity that really matters and that is trending downward in our, our culture. It was spotted three decades ago by James Dobson. We can change it. We can do it. But we have to be committed. It doesn't happen without commitment. It doesn't happen without walking into the hard places of life. 
and doing things that need to be done that we don't want to do. Challenging things about our own selves, laying down some of our, our own mindsets. Being a person who, by nature, is very, like, large and in charge. If you've raised children and you have that sort of a mentality, that doesn't go well. You'll do nothing but fight with your kids and be infuriated all the time. And luckily, the Lord showed me when my first kid was about seven. Yeah, Pax was like two, Farrah was like seven. I was reading Loving Your Kids on Purpose, and, and that book is basically like just teaches you how to like, well, it did for me anyway, to you got to lay down this stuff. Like me being large and in charge is important. God put that in me. I'm supposed to be that way. But when what he's put in you takes you so far that you can't be relational, it's way over on the wrong end of things. You have to find out what the purpose is for. Use your self-control that he gave us and hone it in and use it where it needs to be used. It's not meant to be used in every single facet all the time ever. And that's where maturity comes in is when you can recognize these things, rein in the things about you that are just like rampant. And it's like, it is the way that I am. That doesn't fly in my world. Yeah, God created you that way, but why? Figure out why, put it there, and rein it in everywhere else. Because you're not relational. We cannot be in relationship with you. And what picture of that is the kingdom to the world? <sighs> I love you. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. She, right now, uh, the first thing that I'm thinking of is worship this morning. Um, gosh, I kept thinking, if this worship set was for anyone, it was for me. So thank you for doing that today, you guys. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with God's goodness right now, and I'm so thankful to him, and sometimes I feel like I just don't know how to adequately express it, so thank you for leading me in, like, repetitive song of thanking him. <laughs> it was so amazing. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you, the wise creator of everything, have given us access to your mind. We thank you that you have laid everything out in a perfect way that we can succeed I speak over everyone in this room and everyone who hears this and to this land and to this globe. The ability to make harder choices is there. I, I, I declare that you can do hard things. I declare that you can make important, challenging decisions. I just see an expansion of the growth of mentalities in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, fill those places. Show us where we need to grow beyond infinite thinking or like infantile thinking to infinite thinking. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.